I had no sense of going to Albania in the spring of 1989. I had no sense at all that those circumstances were going to change so rapidly, so soon. Welcome to Cold War Conversations. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. This is Radio Star Czechoslovakia, the legitimate voice of occupied Czechoslovakia. And I'm here to host this final program from the German Democratic Republic for you. In early 1989, attention was being paid to Albania in England by the English media because the England football team had recently travelled to Tirana for a World Cup qualifying game. Looking for somewhere unusual to holiday, Mike Innes went on a 10-day tour to Albania. Arriving by air, he travelled by coach, staying in the hotels which catered for foreigners and favoured Communist Party members. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a written review in Apple Podcasts or share us on social media. By telling your friends, you can really help the podcast grow. It does cost money and time to produce this podcast, so I'm asking listeners to contribute three US dollars per month to help keep us on the air. Larger amounts are welcome too. Plus, you get that sought-after Cold War Conversations coaster as a monthly financial supporter of the podcast and you bask in the warm glow of knowing you are helping preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. Mike provides us with a view of a little-known country which, although outside the Warsaw Pact, adhered to a strict version of communism and whose Marxist-Leninist government ruled Albania from 1946 to 1992. We welcome Mike to our Cold War conversation. Looking at Albania through through the Cold War, it I believe was never part of the Warsaw Pact. Mm. Uh, was always quite independent and was a almost described as a hermit kingdom and was ruled by Enver Hodja, which mm. I think is the correct pronunciation, for about four decades, and he died in 1985. And then it remained communist, and you visited in 1989, I believe? Yeah, that's right. I visited in um, in the spring of 1989. So in other words, uh, sort of six or eight months before uh before the f- the fall of the berlin wall yeah right right and wh- why why did you choose to visit albania so the reason for that is because i i just t- sort of started working i'd finished college and sort of got myself a proper job and that kind of stuff and so really for the first time i had a little bit of money and uh i thought to myself given that this is the first sort of like you know proper opportunity to go for a holiday somewhere where do i really want to go and i'd i'd always been sort of interested in in eastern europe um and i thought 
well, what's kind of like the, the most, the most Eastern, in some respects, what's the most Eastern European, Eastern European country I can possibly go to? Um, and there was only one answer to that question. What was your first stop on this trip? Was it Tirana? Uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, we flew into uh, Tirana, and um, I can remember a couple of things about about the airport. One, well, okay, three things. The first was that it was it was uh, how I imagine um, an airfield from the forties to be in this country. You know, extremely limited in terms of functionality. I'm sure I'm not making up that uh, immediately next to the runway there were either sheep or goats um, sort of like grazing freely. I'm sure I'm not making that up. That does sound believable, to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm, so, you know, there was pretty much nobody else there in terms of passengers. It, it, if you imagine like an arrivals hall, um, there was nobody else there. There was a, a rather desperate-looking fellow trying to get people to buy some kind of refreshments. Uh, I don't think he was very successful. Uh, the, the whole trip, the, uh, the the food was pretty woeful, uh, and uh, nobody was was very keen on, on on that idea at all, really. So yeah, we went, uh, but we went from Tirana Airport into the city centre on a, 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 a not notably ramshackle bus that uh, was fine through uh, it was you know very it was very sort of um, a rural kind of uh, environment the airport was out uh, in the countryside we went into tirana and we stayed um at the hotel tirana overlooking uh, well it's in the corner of um, I think it's Skanderbeg Square, which is, you know, the main square right in the middle of Tirana. The Hotel Tirana was possibly the only hotel where regular foreign guests or if anybody at all was doing business in Albania. I could, it's a bit hard to imagine. But anyway, everybody stayed uh, Everybody stayed at the, at the same place, basically, yeah. Right, and and can you remember coming into Tirana? What the outskirts looked like? Yeah, I mean, apart from, with with a few um, exceptions, it, 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 my recollection is that the country, sort of, or the urban aspects of the country, were you know very similar to each other, and uh, I mean, there are some exceptions to that which we'll come to, and that it was utterly ramshackle. You know, nothing seemed sort of finished certainly nothing kind of like seemed to work properly and this was and you know and this was the capital so i think it just meant that there was more of it you know it was bigger and what what was the hotel like i mean were, were the rooms pretty um, grim or uh, at the hotel tirana no not notably grim you know um uh, i'm not saying it was massively posh but it was it was perfectly it was perfectly fine not not sort of special or anything, but um, things basically worked. I think we, you know, there was a television that that that, uh, that functioned perfectly acceptably. Would be about ninety nine point eight percent sure that that was uh, that was imported. Uh, yeah, um, it was it was completely fine, apart from the fact that the food was you know a calamity. But um, yeah, because no. because you hear stories of travellers going to the Soviet Union and having to take bath plugs and. Things no, like that. No, I don't. I, I don't remember anything like that. Certainly not there. 
Certainly right. not there. I mean, it was the um, it. I suppose I describe it as the most conventional um, sort of international hotel that we stayed in on the trip. Okay, okay. And uh, what did you do for money? That's a really good question. So I can remember uh, possibly in the sort of pre-trip communications from the company, the the tour company. I'm pretty sure that they said what amounts to don't worry too much about taking money. There's absolutely nothing to buy. Um, you know, one sense of caution, you know, you don't probably cast yourself out into the depths of, of Europe without taking some money with you. Uh, there was nothing to buy. Yeah. Um, it would have been very possible I, I remember the whole the whole trip took about uh, cost about three hundred and fifty quid, which was quite a lot. I mean, that was quite a lot for me at the yeah. time. As I say, it was my first. I just really started working, and it was the first, certainly it was the first holiday you know that I ever properly went on after having got a job. But yeah. you know, probably uh, if if I'd had a budget of three hundred and seventy quid, that probably would have been fine. Uh, it was just there was literally nothing to buy. Yeah. Um, so I think I got. Um, a little rug in the in the uh, hotel Tirana, in inverted commas gift shop, more because I just wanted to buy a, 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 what something that was clearly a souvenir, yeah, more than I particularly wanted a rug. But so uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if I paid dollars for that. There were a, there were a handful of occasions. Uh, I mean, clearly, the the trip was like all include. I mean, absolutely all inclusive in terms of uh, you know meals and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and there were a couple of occasions when uh, when I did sort of when when I can remember um, paying as it were local cash for something. But uh, we'll come to those um, shortly. Okay, okay. And where the you know you mentioned the Hotel Tirana overlooks Skanderberg Square, and yeah. I think that there, there was a statue of Enver Hodger there, wasn't there? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it, 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 um, it as I say, it's in the corner of the square, and it's immediately overlooking. Um, you know, people who've sort of paid attention to this kind of stuff will recall the dramatic scenes from I think it was February '91. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Perhaps just under two years after I was there, of this of this um, statue being, um, you know, uh, pulled over by, um, you know, uh, sort of like a, a raging mob uh, of local people. Yeah, uh, and it, it seemed to be ironic how easy it was for them to do that. Um, you know, it was physically an easy task. You know, that seemed a bit of an eye opener in terms of, you know, was this all it took? You know, to 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 bring this whole thing to an end. Yeah, I understand there was a statue of Stalin as well in a side street. Yeah, there was a statue of Stalin. So yeah, um, I, I I I think I, I I asked about that because it was very, you know, as you can probably imagine, it was quite striking to me to see um, to see this. Uh, it mm. wasn't large; it was only a bust. But it was kind of like several streets away from Skanderbeg Square, and I, 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 as I say, I think I asked about it, um, and I think the general consensus was that it had been moved. Uh, you know, he'd been demoted um, over the years, um, <laughs> but uh, been moved up various side streets over the years. Well, yeah, quite, Brilliant. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this was <laughs> this was obviously several decades after that particular fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, 
I understand you you uh, visited the Enver Hodja Museum. Tell us all about that. Well, the Enver Hodja Museum is something that I would recommend um, listeners to uh, to kind of to to Google and to check out. I think that um, it's not the well, it certainly isn't the Enver Hodja any Enver Hodja Museum anymore. Uh, I think they've been scrabbling around trying to find a use for it. But uh, when I was uh, when I was doing what I can laughingly call research for for this uh, conversation i reminded myself that the enver hodger museum had in fact only opened um in october 1988 so it had only been open for about six months right um and hi this is Rhonda in virginia and i support cold war conversations because i think the work that ian is doing is critically important I think it's vital to record the firsthand accounts of people who lived and experienced the Cold War uh, because it illustrates history in a way that a book never can. So thank you so much for the podcast. It's my favorite podcast, and I look forward to it every week. To be like Rhonda and help to preserve these incredible stories of the Cold War, as a monthly or annual supporter, you'll be able to listen ad-free, you'll become one of our community get the sought-after Cold War Conversations drinks coaster as a thank you, and you'll bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve Cold War history. Just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate to find out more. I mean, the centre of Tirana at that time was a kind of a, a mishmash of um, Italian buildings from the occupation of the 30s, the sort of um, the kind of Mussolini era, and sort of these tumble down uh, Hodger kind of um, constructions. The the Enver Hodger Museum is was like it came down from outer space, really. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much a pyramid. Uh, it might actually be a pyramid, but it's certainly sort of roughly, roughly kind of triangular or pyramid shaped. Um, uh, and yeah, it 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 it, it just looks as, looks as if it came from another planet uh, in terms of its position um, and its style when compared with other buildings within uh, in in Tirana or indeed that I saw across the whole of the country. They must have thrown an uh, you know a gigantic sum of money uh, to have produced. I'm, I'm struggling really to think of buildings that I've you know that I've seen elsewhere which are like it uh it's just right. uh, just an extraordinary thing and and this was a museum dedicated to enver hodger i'm presuming 100 percent, and you know the the kind of deification of uh of, of hodger uh the man the myth i can't really remember too much about the sort of the exhibits but it had you know his desk and his glasses and his the outfits he uh, and the sort of uniforms he wore as a partisan and all of that you know all of that kind of stuff I visited the Clement Gottwald Museum in uh, Prague in the 1980s, and it sounds like it was a similar right sort of setup, albeit not such a uh, interesting building. It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Uh, I mean, it looks yeah. rather ramshackle uh, uh, now. I mean, perhaps not surprisingly, uh, mm. a quick Google would suggest that that's the case. But, uh, in 1989, it was uh, in it, at its um, shining, let's call it best. Yeah. I wonder what the gift shop was like. I have no recollection of that. I'm, I'm, um, 
I'm pre- but what I can recall though is I, I think I probably would, you know I would have bought something if there had been a gift shop. What I can remember though, and perhaps this is going to be sort of like jump, jumping ahead slightly. I'm pretty sure it was in the evening because I remember it being dark, um, and there was like a a ticket booth outside, and I managed to get a ticket. Uh, it wasn't like a guided trip or anything. So I suppose the, the broader point that I'm making is, unlike you know the the kind of cliched uh, views of these kinds of trips, we did have free time. We weren't with, I mean, I don't know if we were followed or anything, but we um, we certainly weren't with the guides the whole time. And I and I went off and you know under my own steam went into this went into this museum. Uh, it wasn't an organised thing at all. So yeah, um, I, I think that uh, the from the uh, the booth titled Biletari, which uh, uh, even with my limited Albanian, I, I was able to to, uh, to understand what that probably meant. Uh, yeah, I, and I was able yeah. to to get inside. Yeah, and when when you went off, you know, without the guide in Tirana, did you? interact with any of the locals or did you get the impression they were quite reluctant to have any dealings with foreigners or can't you remember i don't think that i personally really did that i I did see other members of the tour group trying to but i don't think that people were kind of nervous about that in the sense of oh you know who might be watching me talking to foreigners or whatever but they just you know people it, it was just um an inability to communicate. I think it was more a language barrier than anything else. Yeah. Because presumably, um, you know, nobody at all in, in Albania could particularly speak English and clearly we, none of us could speak any Albanian at all. Uh, so I think it was more, more, it was more to do with that than anything else. Okay. And uh, you had another highlight in Tirana. So this is the other kind of football bit. Um, so I, perhaps for, for, for the reasons that I described at the, at the start of the conversation, um, you know, the idea of, of Albania and football was more uppermost in people's minds than it, than it would normally be. And so the opportunity came. This, again, this wasn't part of the, the, the kind of like the plans for the tour. But I, um, there was it, it transpired that there was a, like a domestic club game was on during. I'm pretty sure it was like a midweek afternoon or something like that. It was certainly in the afternoon, and a bunch of us said to the guides, "We've you know we're free at this time. We've got some free time. Can we go to this game?" He, he said, "Okay, I'll get some tickets and, and we can go." And I think about ten of us uh, ended up going to this game. So it was uh, in the um, the the kind of national stadium, the Kemal Staffa uh, Stadium, uh, and it was a game between uh, Dynamo Tirana uh, and a provincial team called Besseligia uh, from a town called I'm going to take a crazy guess at the pronunciation Lege um, L E Z H E. I suppose the kind of interesting thing about this was well okay to talk about the game it, 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 and the experience of going to a game I, I i suppose i like the idea of doing things like that because you know going to a football match is is a, is a you know it's a normal thing to do in 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 the uk and people have a sense of what it what it is what that's like to do that 
And I think it's interesting when you do something which is kind of comparable in a different kind of environment. And it, it becomes a sort of like a lens through which you can see and notice difference, uh, which is quite an interesting thing. So uh, we were—I can remember that we were sitting outside uh, in in the sort of main stand. I can remember we, we were kind of sort of over the half, about the halfway line, and I can remember that sort of about um, ten yards to the left and ten yards to the right of us, uh, just standing in the stand, were the cameramen. Uh, mm. And I remember later on actually watching. A proportion of the game, not all the game, was on TV a bit later when we got back to the hotel. So they they sort of like broadcast an hour's highlights of it or whatever later on. A lot of soldiers in the ground, a lot of soldiers. uh, Probably most of the the people who were there were soldiers. It was very quiet. Um, You know, there's no supporting you know no sort of chanting or whatever no 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 i no notion of you know hardcore fans behind the goal or anything like that no it wasn't like that it was yeah people and did you have a were you sitting on a seat yes uh well um a a sort of a bench yeah okay Hmm. okay because um i again i had a similar experience in prague where i went to see uh dukla prague against glasgow rangers okay and dukla prague i think was an army side so there was loads of army Mm. in there Mm. hurling various um bits of czech abuse at the uh, rangers fans it was quite but i agree with you it's a great lens because it's something where you do have a you know a direct point of comparison yeah that's right yeah so no there was there was no um, hurling of abuse i mean it's not uh, it wasn't a sort of like a, a particularly kind of like a, it didn't feel very kind of competitive but it's worth talking about um the 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 competition in which this game uh, of which this game was a part it was in a competition um which they had in albania called the spartakiada and the spartakiada competitions are they have their roots in the idea of sort of workers sport which date back to possibly the 1920s something like that Uh, the sort of social democratic parties in germany and the communists in moscow they both had ideas about having sort of sporting and cultural festivals to effectively to rival the Olympic Games and to be able to kind of demonstrate um, characteristics of um, uh, of culture and sporting life um, from, um, if not countries that were sympathetic to social democracy and communism, then, you know, groups of people from within countries who were um, sympathetic to that sort of thing. So the 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 Spartakiad competitions pre-war effectively went up to 1936 uh, and Barcelona, and there was going to be a Spartakiad um, in Barcelona, but they basically um, didn't hold the event because of the Spanish Civil War broke out on like the day it was supposed to start or something like that. But 
yeah, worker sports uh, existed as, as a thing and uh, kind of as a consequence to this kind of thing. In I think it's in Prague. Isn't there an absolutely gigantic stadium in Prague? Yeah, there is. Um, you're, you're right. And, and I, th- you know, don't know very much about this kind of thing, but I, I believe that really that was built to host um, Spartakiad-style events, which are effectively about mass participation rather than specifically competition. So you've got, I mean, you might have seen these sort of photographs of sort of huge displays of gymnastics and all of that kind of thing. And and there were sort of cultural aspects as well. So they'd have sort of like um, you know folk singing and chess and uh, or you know lots of different things, not just sports. Yeah. But the idea was, as I say, it was really it was about participation and you know public health effectively, uh, rather yeah. than you know the intrinsically right wing notion of you know the bourgeois Olympic games. Yeah, and also less emphasis on the individual, but rather more on the the mass or the communal yeah. aspect. Yeah, but the the point about the Spartakiad um, is that post-war they continued to to run Spartakiad events. I think in the Soviet Union and Czechoslovakia and in Albania. Don't know why they didn't really take off in other countries. Don't know why they sp- they particularly stuck there. But I think that those were the three countries that um, kind of picked them up again after World War II. Um, and yeah. this game was part of the, the Spartakiad football competition. Can uh, can you remember who won the game? Uh, Dynamo Tirana won 2 0. Well, not, not terribly surprisingly, because they were, uh, you know, one of the biggest teams in the country. And Besseligio are, you know, from out in the sticks, uh, as demonstrated by their team bus, which I can recall, um, which, you know, and I feared for their safety, um, heading back um, into the mountains or, or wherever it was whence they came, because uh, it, it, it seemed, you know, a notably unreliable vehicle. <laughs> So, where where else did you uh, visit? I'm sure we went to the to the whacking big museum, which has got um, a mosaic, uh, an enormous sort of socialist realist um, mosaic uh, over the top of it, which is yeah, which is right next door to the hotel. But I can't remember anything about it at all. But outside of Tirana, you you visited some of the uh, the towns and the coastline. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um, biggest other uh, city that we went to is uh, is Duras, and uh, that's a port. This was another example of, of uh, probably the best example of uh, a different type of accommodation because uh, my recollection of that is that it was it was ve- the place that we stayed at in Duras was definitely um, you know an Italian construction from the 30s. It was elegant. I would I would even go so far as to say that it was elegant. Yeah. The, another thing that I can remember about Duras is that um, it was the only place where I saw a taxi in the street. I, I don't remember seeing a taxi in the street in Tirana, but I did in Duras for some reason. The, the cliche is that there's very little traffic, and there certainly was very little traffic. Um, it's mainly sort of like um, buses that look as if they're about to kind of fall apart, and uh, bicycles. Right. It uh, must have. Felt a bit like going back in time. To yeah, some so that that's right. I mean, um, uh, people who were um, sort of better travelled and uh, uh, and more experienced than I at that time, so did make remarks like, it, it, "This reminds me of uh, it reminds me of Spain in the fifties." 
And I, I, I don't think that it was only in the sense of prior to particularly the Spanish coast becoming, you know, given over to commercial tourism. Uh, I think it was a broader point than that. But yeah, we went to um, a few other um, towns which um, people who are, who are interested in Albania who are listening might know, places like Berat, Vlora. Um, I'm pretty sure that Vlora is also down on the coast, but more towards the south, more towards Greece. And Giracasta, Giracasta is a is known as a an attractive mountain town, and I think it's probably known as that because um, I think it's where Enver Hodja was born. You know, it's very much on. If Albania has a, has or had a tourist map in 1989, Giracasta is 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 on it. And I remember, you know, obviously you go to Enver, the house where Enver Hodja was born, or where he lived, or whatever, when he was a, a young boy. Uh, and it was framed as being a typical Albanian sort of country house. Typical being the key word there. And, uh, it looked very well to do, as far as I could see. I don't know how to describe the 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 some aspects of the rooms. They they seemed they seemed as if they had they had sort of seating around the outside of the rooms, and that they uh, and my recollection is that they those rooms were typically going to be for men within a, an extended family to sit in and you know and pontificate and to smoke and that kind of thing. Maybe I'm wrong. But, yeah, uh, it felt like that to me. And so I suppose in that kind of in that sort of situation to kind of jump ahead to a more kind of concluding remark uh, it, it was that kind of experience where you you get a sense of some of the sort of roots of Albanian culture you f- you feel as if you're a long way away from western Europe yeah and did you see much evidence of propaganda when you were traveling? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. So my main recollection of that, I think it might have been in Berat, because um, Berat has uh, is a big mountain called Tomori, uh, which is overlooking Berat. Inevitably, I might have got these mixed up, but the, 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 or the details of this mixed up, but the point is the same. And I can remember looking out of a hotel window at, uh, at, some, at some point at night and you could see on the hillside uh, um, overlooking the town, um, you could see Party Enver in, you know, lit up letters, a bit like the Hollywood kind of sign, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, so yes is the clear answer to your question. Yeah, I do remember propaganda. And, you know, the, the, the sort of pillbox, the famous kind of Albanian pillboxes, uh, to defend the country against an attack that never came kind of thing. They have or had a, a comparable sort of, you know, propaganda value, if nothing else. But at the same time, you know, you can you can laugh at the – well, uh, given that this is – it's all in the past, you can kind of laugh at the crudeness of it, you know, how unsophisticated it was. You can – well, you can use propaganda. You can use that word. You can use the word propaganda to describe this kind of stuff. You know, that's a, you're a step away from it being about brainwashing, or or, or you know the, the the control of a population, or the control of an unwilling population. I'm not suggesting the population was particularly willing, but I think I suppose that there's a point to be made here about how 
I think that, you know, we can get very sort of snooty about this kind of stuff whilst overlooking the, the idea that there might be things which fulfil a similar kind of function in our own society, but which we don't particularly even notice. You know, there are campaigns in cities, growing campaigns in cities in different countries to reduce the amount of advertising within, uh, within sort of cityscapes. Did you see much, I mean, you, you mentioned that you didn't feel you were being followed, but was there much evidence of police or military around when you were traveling or not? Um, I don't have any um, particular recollection of that. No, I mean, uh, as I mentioned about there being lots of soldiers at the at the football, but um, I don't remember any kind of like um, you know larger gathering uh, of either police or or military um, at all. Really, no. No, it's 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 interesting your you know your de- descriptions there because you know I'd, I've never been to Albania. Mm. And whilst you can see photos online, it's it's really interesting to hear your insights and and views and 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 your description. Brilliant, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it, uh, it's. Um, I mean, it was a long time ago now, but I'm you know I'm really, really, really glad that I that I made that trip. Um, it was a, a fascinating a, a fascinating place to go to. Particularly, as I say, you know, uh, in that in in the context of you know this was happening in the early part of 1989, there's this sort of odd contrast or contradiction uh, between this kind of like this sort of stability that I was just I've just been talking about, you know, how coming out of the Second World War, you know, the the, the geopolitical map was drawn up, and it did introduce it did bring about a period of uh, of stability i had no sense of going to albania in the spring of 1989 clearly albania didn't cease to exist but the circumstances in which albania was existing i had no sense at all that those circumstances were going to change so rapidly so soon yeah. that was just impo- there's a contradiction between that idea and the fact that it was clearly a, uh, an absolutely desperately poor country, really, really grindingly poor. So I mentioned in the email that I sent to you this uh, situation. I think it was in Jiracasta, and we the our tour group were just were walking down the street, and there was an old boy who had some of his food shopping, and he he dropped an apple. Uh, in the street and one of the other people in our party kind of like picked it up and gave it back to him and he he was like you know smiling 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 oh no thanks very much please you keep it it's 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 my present to you kind of thing he was just being nice and this you know the apple was just completely rotten uh what happened to the rug have you still got it no, I, no, 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 I don't, no. Um, so I don't know. I don't have anything. I don't even have photos. So um, uh, all I have are my memories. Uh, so, right. but uh, as I, I kind of drew to your attention, didn't I? Um, there was the there's a, a series of photos which are on Flickr, which are clearly taken by somebody who went on the other tour. 
Yeah, and we'll be sharing that link in the show notes. Yeah. They are really interesting photos. I bet they did bring back some memories for you. Yeah, I mean, it's really it, – they absolutely do. They're in, intensely, intensely evocative, um, and they they – as well as being, uh, you know, so so interesting, just in terms of the the subjects that the, and the the locations uh, and the scenes that they that they depict, you get that there's this unmistakable whiff of uh, of 1989 and the you know and the the way that the the, the images appear and uh, you know you know it's almost as if somebody has clicked a filter on the on on Instagram which is which is called um you know the 1980s filter the 19, well yeah it's the late the late uh, 1980s filter yeah absolutely and it's um uh, it's a, a reminder if one were necessary that you can't um separate the the technology from the nature of your memories because because they they really do go hand in hand but there's some really tremendous photographs and I'm I'm pleased to have kind of as I say they're not mine to be super clear they're not my pictures um, but they are fascinating one thing I was going to mention was um, the uh, kind of an an odd um, another odd aspect um, to the trip was we went down to uh, this place called Butrint, which is very close to the Greek border, uh, and I, from memory, it's um, uh, it's known as a sort of like a, a place with a lot of um, archaeological uh, interest as a, an old um, Greek or Roman site. Uh, as a, I think there's an amphitheatre there, and the Albanians at that time had done you know almost no um, uh, sort of excavation. It, it, it's it had been left since whoever it was had previously been doing some work, you know, decades previously. But a, a stunningly beautiful place. I mean, the countryside is, re, you know, is so beautiful. It would be almost silly to describe it was un, as unspoiled because it, it kind of, it was unspoiled in the sense that it hadn't been discovered by um, by sort of capitalism and capitalist tourism, but the exceedingly ugly nature of the towns was, was giving it a, a pretty good go at spoiling it. Um, yeah. But yeah, but Trent was a, an amazingly beautiful place and you could go to the, to the sort of coast. It's very close to the coast. And uh, there was a town, a town called Saranda, which is on the coast there. Um, and you can see Corfu from the, from the sort of like the seafront there. You can actually see it. Uh, and it felt like a very long way away. Uh, yeah, it must, but it must be, I don't know, five miles or something. It was just a very yeah. short distance. Yeah. Um, in this odd position of having seen Greece, but never actually visited, visited it, but <laughs> having been to Albania. So, yeah. yeah. Are you tempted to uh, visit Albania again? I don't know. This this is it's it's one of the 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 sort of like the uncomfortable aspects of of tourism, isn't it? You know, I, I'm I suppose I'm pleased that Albanian people don't. Well, I am pleased that Albanian people don't have to live in such um you know poor in in such poor conditions as they did at that time. I hope that um, living conditions in Tirana. I hope and, and, and assume that living conditions in Tirana are, are very different from now from how they were in 1989, but. At the same time, if Tirana is 
more like a, a city in other countries, why would I particularly want to go there now? And we have further photos, videos and information on this episode in our show notes, which will show as a link in your podcast app. Don't forget, if you'd like to get one of those Cold War Conversations coasters help keep us on the air, then head over to coldwarconversations.com slash donate. And if you can't wait for the next episode, do visit our Facebook discussion group where listeners just like you continue the Cold War Conversation. Just search for Cold War Conversations in Facebook. Thank you very much for listening. It is really appreciated. Goodbye. not enjoying the ads well you can avoid them by going to coldwarconversations.com slash donate by becoming a monthly or annual supporter you'll enjoy ad-free listening become a part of our community receive the sought after cold war conversations drinks coaster and bask in the warm glow of knowing that you're helping to preserve cold war history just go to coldwarconversations.com slash donate for more information